Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we're going to look at the season of Advent, Second Advent. The season of Advent, Second Advent. The second Sunday of Advent. Now remember, we start on a Sunday with the Sunday Lectionary, and we extend our readings through Saturday. Sunday to Saturday. And Advent has four Sundays. And the placement of those four Sundays is dependent, for those of you that follow me from week to week know this, upon when Christmas Day is, which is always December 25th. But the day is not always a Monday or a Wednesday or a Friday. It rotates through the year, through the years, I should say. So this year, Christmas Day is on a Sunday, which is quite glorious. And New Year's Day is on a Sunday. So we are celebrating the prior Sundays, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th Advent. We looked at 1st Advent last week, and we continue with 2nd Advent. We'll be looking at the book of Isaiah. Now, we're going to be in Isaiah for a few weeks. The book of Isaiah, chapter 5, 1 through Isaiah 8, 15. Then we will be looking at 1st Thessalonians 5 and 2nd Thessalonians. 2nd Thessalonians has three chapters. We'll look at those three chapters, along with the ending of First Thessalonians. And we have been in Luke for a very long time. We will continue our work with Luke in Luke 21, 20 through Luke 22, 38. Isaiah 5. Now, the vineyard. Now, the idea and the imagery of the vineyard is a very important imagery in the Old Testament. Let's read it. Verse 1. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard? What have I not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. Wow. I shall not, it shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they... Rain, no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. So there's the answer to who the vineyard is. It's the house of Israel. Pretty good wrath against the house of Israel. And the men of Judah and its pleasant planting. For he looks for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, and behold, an outcry. This is strong language that we see in Isaiah. Okay? So God Almighty is very, very interested in the way we behave and the way we act and what we do in terms of righteousness. And when there's unrighteousness, when, it, when our yield, if you will, that what we bear based on what we do is not good, then that poses a tremendous problem. In Isaiah 5, 8 following, Woe to those who join house to house, who add field to field until there's no more room And you are made to dwell alone in the midst of the land. The Lord of hosts has sworn in my hearing. Surely many houses shall be desolate. Verse 9. Large and beautiful houses without inhabitant. 
For 10 acres of vineyard shall yield but one bath, and a homer of seed shall yield but an ephah. Woe to those who rise early in the morning, that they may run after strong drink. Very good reason not to be drinking much in the morning. Who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. Problem with too much alcohol. They have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute and wine at their feast, but they do not regard the deeds of the Lord or see the work of his hands. Great scripture, second half of verse 12. They do not regard the deeds of the Lord. They do not see the work of his hand. Therefore, my people go into exile for lack of knowledge. This is why lack of knowledge is so serious. They go into exile. They are ruined. Honored men go hungry. The multitude is parched with thirst. So he has this incredible diatribe in chapter 5 about what Israel has gone through and how he sees Israel now and how they have uh, hurt themselves significantly because they have not regarded the Lord. They have not walked in the way of the Lord, Psalm 1. They have not done his will, Deuteronomy. They have not listened to him. Chapter 6, 1 to 13. In the year that King Uzziah died, this is chapter 6, verse 1, I saw the Lord upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, who is I? I is Isaiah. And he describes the Lord in great glory. In verse 3, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. He later says in verse 5, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When we get closer to the Lord, and he is more real and apparent to us, What's really highlighted in our lives is our sin, is our uncleanness, is our impurity, are our peccadillos, if you will. And when you see holiness and righteousness and light and the power of God uh, displayed, you get a sense of where you are in relationship to him. And uh, Isaiah is feeling that very strongly. Then one of the seraphim, this is one of the angels, verse 6, flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. So in our sinfulness, in our wrongdoing, God wants to forgive us. He wants to cleanse us. And so this is one of the great interplays between God and his people, God's willingness to forgive us of our sin, forgive us of our wrongdoing. And verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, this is Isaiah, Here I am, send me. Send me. Are you one of those people that want to be sent? Are you one of those people that uh, sees the holiness of God and wants to follow God and is interested in God and wants to be sent by God? Great chapter, chapter 6. And he continues on in the second half of that section. Uh, keep on uh, hearing, but they don't understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull. And so the people are not hearing the word of the Lord. They are not comprehending what God is saying. They've seen with their eyes. They hear with their ears. They understand with their hearts. He does not want to heal them. See that in verse 10? How long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate place. How long are you going to put us through this? So the wrath of God is a serious thing. It's a very real thing. And it comes upon people 
and individuals that do not obey the Lord. And Isaiah is just full of tremendous number of verses that deal with this issue. And the Lord removes people far away for the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. So the places that God has asked them not to comply with or go to or participate in, they have done it and they suffer the consequences of doing that. Chapter 7. We'll look at chapter 7, 1 through 25 very quickly. This is in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah. Remember I mentioned Uzziah in chapter 6, king of Judah, okay? And the Lord said to Uzziah, go to meet Ahaz at the conduit of the upper pool, the highway of the washer's field. This is in verse 3. And what we have here is this extraordinary scripture that we see in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Sheol is the bottom part and heaven is the top part. I, Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you would weary God? Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. Here's the sign. You ready? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Where have you heard that before? Very famous verse. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, certainly the Old Testament and is Isaiah. Isaiah 7.14, there's the scripture that's referred to regarding the birth of Emmanuel, which means God with us, which is Jesus. Isaiah 7.14. Okay, continue on with the rest of that chapter and enjoy it, um, trying to discern uh, contextually where we are and how these verses apply to us is not the easiest thing. As I've told you before, as we work through the Bible together, if you have a study Bible, that's often helpful. If you have a commentary, I know a lot of people aren't going to use a commentary. It's a laborious amount of work, and sometimes they're not easy to read. Uh, That's also helpful. You can read it straight out But there's a lot of stuff that we don't know uh, uh, versus what a commentator can give us or someone that's at least doing study notes uh, can tell us. But uh, just get the feel of Isaiah 5, 6, and 7. Uh, Remember, as I said last week, this is 66 books, and we're going to be in Isaiah for a little while. Uh, Enjoy and listen to the prophet Isaiah. Let's switch over to Paul's letter um, to the Thessalonians. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We looked at 1, 2, 3, and 4 last week. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. This is chapter 5, verse 1. He says, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. Jesus said that himself. What's the day of the Lord? The coming of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. People are going to say, peace and security. And sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. You want to be ready. You've heard me say this many times for those of you who have been listening to the Daily Lectionary. I've said this many times. You want to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. You want to be prepared. So he says, but you are not in darkness, brothers and sisters. I hope all of you are in this camp. For the day to surprise you like a thief, none of you should be surprised. For you are children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or the darkness. 
two kinds of people in the world, light, darkness, day, night. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Be sober. Be prepared. Do not get drunk as we saw earlier in Isaiah. Okay? Do not start drinking early. No strong drink. Be careful. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Be sober. Verse uh, 6. Put on the breastplate of faith and love. Be sober-minded. Be prepared. Be ready. Encourage one another. Verse 11. Build one another up. Encourage people. Build them up. Verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Steam them very highly in love because of their work. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted. So he has this long litany beginning in verse 12 of things that we should be doing to help other people in order to live a godly, holy life, righteous life. And so I love 16, following, rejoice always. 17, pray without ceasing. 18, give thanks in all circumstances. 19, don't quench the spirit. 20, don't despise prophecy, etc., etc. Chapter 5 is very, very good, 1 Thessalonians. Enjoy reading it. Read it slowly. Enjoy it. It is very good, wise, practical words of God's word for us. Lots of wisdom there in terms of living a good daily life in Christ. 2 Thessalonians. Now, the 2 Thessalonians 1, 2, and 3 is about their concern about the coming of the Lord and them being prepared and ready for the coming. And the people that are asleep, the people that have died, uh, what is their place in the coming of the Lord? We ought to give thanks to you, uh, God for you, brothers, as is right, chapter 1, verse 3, because your faith is growing abundantly. I hope that's true for all of you out there, that your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you is increasing, for one another is increasing. That's another wonderful thing. Is your faith growing and is your love for others growing? Excellent. Verse 5, this is evidence of the right, righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. So there's suffering going along, along and uh, in their lives, and they need to be prepared. They need to know that God is with them, that God is encouraging them. And he says quite strongly, to grant to relief, verse 7, to those who are afflicted as well as to us, afflicted for the cause of Christ. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, this is the second coming, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance of those who don't know God on those who don't obey the gospel. So there is going to be wrath and separation on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of Jesus. Verse 9, what's going to happen to them? They will suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might. When he comes, verse 10, to be glorified in his saints. To this end, we always pray for you. So again, by his power, by his grace, by his mercy, you have faith, you are growing, you are growing in love for others, you are serving, you are being faithful in your walk with Christ. Very, very important. You want to be ready. Now, coming, this, uh, chapter 2 is about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ being together, together in him, verse 1, and that day coming, and then he, he talks in great detail about the man of lawlessness and the person that is going to come 
that is going to try to confuse people and deceive people and lead people away. But you have been warned. I have already spoken to you, Paul says, about this. Do you not remember when I was still with you that I told you these things, verse 5? So you want to be prepared, he says, when this happens, okay? Verse 13. So that's the man of lawlessness, and you don't want to be in that camp. You do not want to be in that situation. You want to continue to serve Christ. You want to submit to the gospel. You want to do what the gospel says. But we always ought to thank God for you, verse 13 of chapter 2. For you, beloved brothers by the Lord, God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so it's through the gospel that we receive this, so that you may obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So ultimately, you want the glory of God in your life. You want to reflect Christ to other people. So then, stand firm. Hold on to the traditions traditions you have by us, either by word, spoken word, or by letter. Beautiful line. 13 to 17 is wonderful. So the first of verses 1 through 12 is telling you some really tough negative news. And the last 13 to 17, those five verses are encouraging and um, praying that you uh, are lifted up and are sober-minded and thinking about, as he said earlier in uh, chapter 5, what God wants you to do, that you're being faithful. Pray for us, chapter 3, that the word of God may go out. The Lord is faithful, verse 3. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Let's pray for each one of us that that happens, that God is faithful and that he's guarding us against the evil one. And we have confidence, verse 4, in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. What I'm sharing with you, you're going to do. You're not only going to consider it, you're going to think about it, you're going to understand it, but you are actually going to do it. And may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. What a great series of prayers in 2 Thessalonians. Then he warns against idleness and um, not working. Uh, If a man will not work, he will not eat. And uh, there are busybodies and people that are taking advantage of that. And Paul has a beautiful uh, line of thought there that we need to pay attention to. Let's look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. So I hope you'll enjoy 2 Thessalonians and the end of 1 Thessalonians. I hope you enjoyed 1 Thessalonians last week. Uh, Again, a very good series of chapters there. Uh, Luke 21 and lots of good um, advice and how to live your life well. Luke chapter 21, 20 to 28. Remember, Jesus is setting himself up to die. He's entered in Jerusalem from Jericho. He is now in the city. He's got some final thoughts and things to work through before he uh, is crucified. Chapter 21, 20 to 28, as I just said. And this is the famous scripture regarding paying taxes to Caesar. And um, they want him to pay taxes. They think they got him if he supports Uh, The taxes, what about God? If he reports God, what about the taxes? And he says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. I I don't mind you giving to Caesar. Give to Caesar. But whatever is God's, give it to God. Give Caesar what's his. I'm not objecting to that. But I am objecting if you're going to not honor God and give what is God's. Beautiful answer in verse 25. The Sadducees ask about the resurrection. That's kind of a an amazing series of uh, events here in Luke chapter 20, um, 
and um, he talks about uh, the resurrection, okay? Let's go push on to chapter 21, verse 20 to 28, which has to do with his foretelling of the destruction of Jerusalem. And um, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you know that its desolation has come near, verse 20. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let those who are inside the city depart. Let not those who are out of the country enter it. For those, these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Okay? And then he says, he talks about the coming of the Son of Man, as we saw in uh, 1 Thessalonians. There will be signs in the moon. This is verse 25. And the stars and the earth, um, things are going to happen. Then you're going to see the Son of Man in verse 27 coming in the cloud. When these things begin to take place, straighten up. And raise up your head because your redemption is drawing near. He tells them a parable, uh, verse 29 to 38. Look at the fig tree. And uh, the fig tree, of course, is a model, a metaphor for Israel. The fig tree is a metaphor for Israel. In chapter 22, 1 to 13, we have the plot to kill Jesus. We are now into the situation where Jesus is going to be uh, ultimately crucified. So we go into the 22nd chapter on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. On Wednesday, we have John 7, 53 to 8, 11. That, that's interesting that they would just put that in there. John 7, 53 to 8, 11, which has to do with the, women, the woman caught in adultery. Remember, they catch her in adultery, and Jesus is supposed to condemn her. And he says, whoever has not sinned, let him cast the first stone. So if you don't have any sin, go ahead and throw the stone. But they all went away one by one. And Jesus says, Women, w- woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one. And then he says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So God, Jesus forgives her. She's not stoned for adultery. But he tells her, please stop doing this. St- stop sinning. This is a sin. This is wrong. Don't do it anymore. So we come back to right before his uh, uh, Luke 22 and 23, which talk about his, his death. We have 1 to 13. We have the plot to kill Jesus. We have Judas betraying him. We have the Passover that he celebrates. We have the institution of the Lord's Supper. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. uh, Verse 20, the cup that's poured out for you is the covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he's betrayed. Of course, he's betrayed by Judas, as I said just a minute ago. Who's the greatest? So man's getting ready to die brutally, and they're worried about who the greatest is from 24 to 30. Uh, Who's greater? The one, verse 27, who reclines at a table, the one who serves, is it not the one who reclines at table? I am among you as one who serves. So serving others, being a servant of the Lord is the key to the whole thing. Serve the Lord. And finally, 31 to 38, remember Simon. 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen my brothers. So he lets Satan attack him. Peter said, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. I tell you, Peter, 
The rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. So Peter had some strong emotions about following Jesus. He didn't think he was going to betray him, but Jesus says, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Wow. But he said, Peter, I've been praying for you. Simon, I've been praying for you. And when you turn back, restore your brothers. So in Isaiah 5, 6, and 7, and 8, we see the working of the Lord in these chapters. Uh, and we uh, read them slowly. Some of it will, um, will bless you abundantly as he talks about dealing with the nation of Israel. And in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, lots of wonderful commentary by Paul in terms of the way we should live our lives. Jesus is at the end now um, in 21 and 22. He's given some last directives and then he prepares himself to die. Well, that's a full week for Second Advent. Next week, we'll be looking at the Daily Lectionary on the third Sunday of Advent. Look forward to seeing you then. God bless you.